opportunity to come here together, your children, your family, come together seeking you and seeking knowledge of you, growing in grace and truth and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we may walk in greater victory in this life, not trying to obtain the victory, but trying to learn of the victory that's already been provided for us. As Dennis said before, not trying to be healed, but Acknowledging the healing that we've already received as inheritance as children of God and rejecting the works of the enemy in his lies. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much and raising us up to be disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So today's message, as I <clears throat> mentioned before earlier, is reflections. The Lord gave me that yesterday morning bright and early, and he also gave me uh, the word for next week, New Beginnings, which uh, is unusual for him. So I considered it a nice Christmas present for him to give me something a little early. <laughs> he doesn't do that out of meanness. He just likes me to be dependent upon him. And, and I was telling the kids last night, they were over, and, and uh, I told them I usually sit before the Lord for a whole day, <clears throat> and the message is really clear about an hour into it for the, what he has, and then by the by the nighttime before I go to bed, I can't even. I'm so disoriented, I can't even remember what the message was. <laughs> but I just put it to rest and trust God, and He always puts it together for me on Sunday. <laughs> That's just the way it is. <laughs> but I trust Him. I've learned to trust Him, and it's because He has a track record in my life that is so beautiful, and and uh, there's just nothing like Him. There's just nothing like Him. So the reflections that I'm talking about, I mean, it's pretty self-evident just by the word, but it's the end of the year, obviously. So we're going to reflect, I'm going to ask you to reflect, or God's going to ask you to reflect, if you would, somewhat on the year 2015. But please don't limit it to that, especially those of you who have never really done this before. I'm going to walk you through today kind of how God would have you to take inventory of your life. It's, um, you know, we'll, we'll hide the medicine in the mashed potatoes. It's not always pleasant, but uh, it's all good. Amen? And next week is a really good part when we talk about new beginnings and uh, we talk about the authority and the things that we have in Christ and the new creation. I do not like ministering to the old man or to the flesh because it, to me it's very counterproductive and it's a waste of time. So when I talk to you about all the wonderful things you are and that are in you and that you have, uh, don't think that I'm just talking silly because I know what I'm talking about. I know my business, and it's God and Him in you. In Jesus' name, amen? amen. And I'm trying to help you to learn who that new creation is. But this week, let's talk about reflections just a little bit. First of all, I want to talk about the good parts, the reflections about God in your life, what He has done in your life, the times you know that He has been there and the the things that He has brought you through or from, and the wonderful things He's brought you to. Amen? Amen? Those are wonderful things to think about because it helps to build your faith and your, and your trust in God. And then next of all, we would like to consider the times when we have been without 
God or apart from God, walking apart from Him in our life. We're never really without Him. He will never leave us or forsake us, but we can choose to get off of the path. Amen? In which case, God is such a gentleman, He will not interfere with your free will, although He will continue to try and reach you. But these are the times I'm talking about, the times when we have willfully kind of got off course a little bit. Both sides are important, both sides of that coin. The first side is when God is really active in your life, when you've, you've experienced growth, positive growth in your life and peace. These things will mark those times in your life when you are really uh, living for God. You will know His peace because that is the umpire in our lives or it's supposed to be as a Christian. And now this doesn't necessarily mean a lack of trials because there's a huge difference. You're going to always have trials in this life. But Jesus said, relax, I've overcome the world. You will have problems here. But there's a big difference. We can walk in peace in the midst of the storm. And we're all going to learn to be water walkers if I have my way. Amen? Amen. The first side of that coin, the good things. When God is, is actively working in your life and you... You've noticed the change, the growth, the peace. I think you'll find that these times are usually marked by a few things. And uh, and I encourage you to remain in these things. But, well, the first one is obedience. And this is a word that is important for the Christian to learn. Because in the world, it's taken on a very negative connotation. The kind of obedience that we think of, I think, when we hear the term, is something that's demanded of us and acted upon out of fear of punishment. You see, that is not new covenant obedience. And we need to learn the difference. Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church, who I like, I like to like to bring him more into the charismatic uh, movement if I could, but uh, I really like Rick Warren. And he, he talks about obedience. <laughs> Obedience um, as being love leading toward trust, which leads to action regarding God. And I think he took that from the scripture, John 14, 15. I know you guys were just in the end of John, and this is my favorite part of the Bible. Uh, those few chapters of the last uh, the evening, the Lord was, was with us before his crucifixion. But uh, in John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Now, in the New Living Translation, it simply says, if you love me, obey my commandments. So, keep and obey are, are used synonymously there. Jesus, actually, on that night, said that about five times. <laughs> right there in just a couple of chapters. And uh, that's, in the four, that's in the 15th verse of the 14th chapter. And then in the 21st verse, he said again, whoever has my commands and keeps them, or obeys them, is the one who loves me. Amen. He's saying, if you love me, you will obey me. They'll go hand in hand. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And so we can say there, the one who obeys my commands or my teachings is the one who loves me, and he's the one my Father will love. And I too will love them and show myself to them. 
And then in the 23rd verse, he says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. He just keeps saying it and saying it to these disciples. He's about to leave the earth and he's driving it home. He's making them understand they must be obedient. Why, why would we not see that as a command, as a demand upon us that something we had to do or be punished? Because that's not his intent. He knows that he is love. And his truth is the only truth. And if he asked you to do something, it's because it's good for you. It's the only thing that's good for you. And he's protecting us from things that we can't even envision. He sees all the way down the road that you haven't even begun the first mile of. He created time. He's not in it. He sees the beginning from the end. And in John 15, 10, just turn the page to the next chapter. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. These are all in, in the gospel of John. And then so when John is retelling these things in his letters in the back, 1 John 2, 3, of course, he's going to express the same sentiments. In 1 John 2, 3, John says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. <laughs> in 1 John 5, 3, he says again, In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Hello. 2 John 1, 6, and he says, And this is love. Okay, colon. He's going to define love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in in love hello hello think about all the ten commandments that we don't like to think about that god showed to us to show us how holy and good he is and how much we need a savior but also i want you to see that every one of them points to love don't do this don't do that don't do that why because it hurts others and you five of them are about your relationship with him five of them about your relationship with other people and it's all about honor and respect and caring about others and about your relationship with your Father in heaven. That's why the New Testament says your only, your only job is to love. If you do that, you'll, you'll surpass all those old commands without even thinking about them. Those aren't even for you anymore. You're going to do way more than that just because that's, that's who you are now. You have the very mind of Christ, the character of God inside your born-again spirit if you belong to Him. So when you're really acting as a hypocrite is when you're acting out of character, when you're not living holy, because you really are holy now. And so to act like you're not, you've got a, you've got a facade going there. Have you noticed, <laughs> man, once you come... Once you come into God to go to go back and to try to fit in with the world, those shoes don't fit anymore. And Peter said, don't, don't think it's strange as something strange has happened to you. Every, all your brothers and sisters around the world are going through the same thing. Because he knows. That's what it's like. What is going on here? I've changed. The next thing that these times when you're walking with God, growing in God, will Reflect in your life as the favor and blessing of God will be manifest and evident um, above uh, other times. In Psalm 512, it says, 
Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. I use this scripture all the time. I declare it over myself and over my loved ones. And it's just a part of our inheritance. Why not? It's a promise of God because it says you bless the righteous. Now, this isn't talking about your behavior. If you, if you are in Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have been made righteous with Jesus' righteousness as a gift. Well, we can hinder or sabotage the efforts of God in our life. I think I was just talking to somebody about this recently. But this is not uncommon at all. What do I mean by that? Well, again, as part of your inheritance in Christ, the favor and blessings of God are yours. They are part of your inheritance. Now, have you ever known a Christian that wasn't walking in the favor and blessing of God? Of course you have. And yourself from time to time. Why? Because we sabotage God's efforts in our lives by stinking thinking condemnation, guilt. We carry things that Jesus bore on His body on the cross and we make gods of ourselves. We think sometimes we get to listening to the devil. So I know Jesus paid the price, but I need to pay a little more too. I need to, I, I need, I need to do a little penance too. That undermines the work of God and it says He didn't do enough. And that's really an insult. To the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want his children carrying packs on their back. Sheep were never meant to carry packs on their back. Galatians 3 talks about this. Talking about faith as opposed to the works of the law. What does that mean? It means you can try to be good and try to do everything that the Bible requires. And the Ten Commandments hanging on you all in your den. And you're going to live under condemnation your whole life. It's always going to be pointing to the little flaw. The one place where you erred. A life of faith in what Christ has done for you. Will cause you to live a holier life. Than you ever could by trying to. Galatians 3. Paul is talking to this church in Galatia. Whom he had visited. And help them to all receive Christ and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were walking in the gifts of the Spirit and love and peace and salvation. And then he left. And some wolves came in and started telling them, well, yeah, you know, Jesus came. But you have to do this too. You have to do all this and this and this. Plus what Jesus did. And then maybe you'll be accepted by God. And here's what Paul said to them. You foolish Galatians. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you, he said. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit? It's all about the Holy Spirit. By the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, you're trying to earn your salvation now that it, you already received it as a free gift? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain. So again, I ask you, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Or by you believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham's. Scripture foresaw that God 
would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. What he's saying here is, James put it more clearly, he said, if you obey every point of the law but you fail at just one thing, you're guilty of it all. So is that what you want your standard to be when you stand before God? The Ten Commandments and all the laws written in the book? I kept, I kept most of them. He's going to say, you're guilty of them all then. Or would you rather stand before him and say, thank you for your mercy, Lord. I'm only here because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed for me. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Hello. I just need one amen. I'll move on. Christ removed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You see? The favor and blessing of God is really the grace of God. Everything that has been provided by Jesus through the atonement is the grace of God. And it is obtained by God's children by faith. I just saw Star Wars. You know what the I call faith our tractor beam. It pulls in those things already provided by faith. I mean by, by grace. So the, and then the last thing that will be notable in your life when you're living for God, but it's not limited to that. That's why I put it last because it kind of goes over into the next area, is miracles. Miracles, signs, and wonders, just wonderful things. God is just good. Jesus used miracles as a dinner bell for his word, for people to receive the word, to bring them in, to receive the word and to hear the truth. He also does it Put it like this. If I say miracles are not God's best, you say, well, that's crazy. Miracles are great. And of course they are. They're perfect at the time when you need them. Nothing like a miracle. Get you one if you need one. But, listen, God would rather you walk in the blessing and the favor of God. He would rather you understand all the fullness of His grace provided for you and learn to walk a life of faith receiving and retrieving all the things He's given you by His grace. If you need a miracle, what's also necessary for a miracle to be manifest? A need. <laughs> you have to have a crisis situation in order to need a miracle. And He doesn't want you living crisis to crisis. Does that make sense now? Right. So miracles are great, aren't they? But it's not God's best for your life. He'd rather you just walk in the blessing. And once you, once you, once you enter into the blessing and really it turns on, all the spigots come on, it'll overwhelm you. It, it'll overwhelm you. If you find yourself 
two, three times a day. I don't know how many times a day, just basically just falling down on your face and saying, God, you're so good to me. You just, you need to just back off. No, don't. You know what I mean? Maybe you don't, but, but, but you need to. That's my point. Don't live miracle to miracle. But miracles are great because I, I, I want everybody to learn how to walk in the healing that has been provided as part of our inheritance. And the prosperity that God has provided through, through giving and receiving and learn all the things that God has so you can walk in the blessing. But if you uh, say you're my age and you've never learned any of this, the only church you've ever been to was just a religious dead church and uh, you didn't know any of this was available to a Christian and you come to God and you get saved and you have stage five cancer or whatever and you have not renewed your mind through the word, you haven't had time to do any of that, you need a miracle. And God loves you, so he's going to provide that miracle for you. You see what I'm saying? So it's all because of his love that he does these things. So miracles are good. Don't throw them out. Get you one if you need one. But try to get to a place where you don't, you don't need miracles anymore because you're so blessed. Now the next thing, the other side of that coin, unfortunately, we need to talk about a little bit so that we can take inventory, is the side that says we're living a life apart from God or walking outside of the path off of the narrow road, even if just temporarily, and we've opened doors for the enemy into our life, you'll find that these times in your life are marked by a lack of the peace that we're supposed to use as an umpire in our hearts. You have confusion and strife, frustration, which will result in anger and depression and, and the like. And uh, you will find that these are usually accompanied or they manifest because you've decided decided to do things your way your way even though jeremiah speaking under the influence of the holy spirit says it's not within man to direct his own steps we're not supposed to go our way we're supposed to be governed and directed by god but when we do things our way instead of god's way we're generally operating in some sort of a serious illusion uh, of control or a de- delusion, I guess you'd say, of ourself. <laughs> and we're in the flesh, simply said. Um, and that's, that's hated by God, I'll tell you the truth. It's really just pride. And it comes in, it comes in many forms. And disguises and layers, kind of like an onion. Pride is a, a terrible thing. God hates it. And this world, and especially our culture, encourages it so much. And you need to learn that's not God. That's the devil. It can come from a, a fear of man, um, which is idolatry. A lot of times we care more what people think about us than what God thinks about us. And that's, that's a, a, that will always present a snare, the Bible says, to the Christian. Um, it could just be total independence. You just claimed independence. I'm, just, I'm independent. I'm self-reliant. I have all these gifts and wonderful talents and abilities. And you don't give God the credit for any of it. And you point to yourself anytime there's something good happens in your life. I did that. 
That's all because of me. I put my nose to the grindstone. I went to school. I earned this. I did this and I got this. And all these things that really point to my shame, I've hung on the wall for you all to see. Does that mean a degree or something like that is shameful? No. It just depends on your outlook of it and who you're giving the glory and the credit to. It says uh, this type of rebellion, it'll say things like, I don't need your approval. I don't need anyone's approval. An overachiever, usually. And really, that's the thing they're really seeking, is the approval they claim they don't want or need. And a lot of us, it comes from uh, just kind of being born into rejection. But it is from rejection. Rejection stems from rejection stems condemnation, depression, all these negative things that will, will cause people to rebel and sabotage God's efforts in their lives. They'll say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to walk away from this before it can be taken from me. Before somebody can hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. You see? And I don't know if any of you have ever been troubled with any of that, but, but I was born into that. That was me, you know? And so I understand it. But I also understand that the answer is found in God. Amen. The answer to every problem is found in Christ. I'm trying to be careful talking about rebellion because it's so painful to hear, especially when it looks like us. But the, I want you to be aware when the world tries to point you to pride and, and uh, independence and arrogance and all these things, pointing to yourself for your achievements, remember that the number one goal of the Christian, besides developing the relationship with God, but it goes hand in hand, is dying to self. So how can you exalt self and die to self at the same time? God wants you to die to yourself or to your flesh and live for Him. He wants you to let Him live through you. Is That's more, uh, more correct, actually. Because Jesus Christ is who you are now, if you have Him. And that's who you are in your born-again spirit. And His character and His likeness will manifest more and more over time. doesn't mean you're going to physically look like Him. But God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. So I'm talking about your spirit, man. And it will manifest into your soulish realm, which is what we're trying to get saved. Your spirit has been saved, sealed, redeemed. And now we're renewing our minds, our personalities, this free will, which is... So rebellious sometimes. And if we will just continue on with God, we will. The Bible says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Now listen to this. Because when you think, I just can't do that, or it's too much to ask of me. The Bible says different. He says he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you actually can bear. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. That you may be able to endure it. Amen. Let me tell you something. That scripture doesn't sound too fun, but it should encourage you. Because through that, agreeing with that, and acknowledging it, whenever a trial comes and you say it's too much to bear, I'm just going to give in to this. Say, hold on a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to give God 
more chance than I've ever given him before because the Bible says he is going to empower me to get through this. And let me tell you, when you pass that test, you elevate. You elevate in the kingdom of God. Otherwise, you go around the mountain and take the test again. Trust me on this. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of divination. God hates witchcraft and all that divining to, to go see a fortune teller, to get them to tell you what's going to happen in the future. They say, God said, uh-uh. You just come to me. Don't let none of that nonsense in your world, in your life. If they do come up and have some spirit that knows you, it's not the person you're talking to. It's a familiar spirit. It's a demon. Anyway, for rebellion is as the sin of divination. And God looks at it, your rebellion the same way as he does that. And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. This was what Samuel told Saul when he lost his kingship. Proverbs 17.11 says, An evil man seeks only rebellion, and a cruel messenger will be sent against him. What is that? A thorn in your side? A messenger of Satan? And God's not doing the sending anymore. He's already done the punishment, but the enemy, when you disagree with God and step off of the narrow road, you have opened a door and invited Satan in, whether you know it or not, and he's going to come. He's going to come. And rebellion is one of his invitation letters from you. <laughs> when you rebel against any portion of God's word, you've just opened a door of access into your life for the enemy. And he's going to take it. Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Does this remind you of anything about our society today? They straight up stand against all authority and the law. And it says God has put those things in place. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't ever problems and corruption within the things, of course, this world has fallen. The devil tries to infiltrate every area. Are there a few bad cops? Of course. But all in all, they're put there for our good and our protection. And to rebel against that authority is, is of the devil. It's of the devil. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good. And you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience, for your own conscience. You want to be able to hear God. When your conscience is defiled, you can't hear God because there's no peace. The easy way to do it, just run back to the throne. Lord, forgive me. You're already forgiven, but you need to go and confess these things to him so that you know you're forgiven. I've already been to God about that. He's dealt with it. Jesus, Jesus paid for this. I'm, I'm good. Now I'm, I'm good to go again. You know what I'm saying? That's part of your relationship. And it, just like if you get off course with your, your husband or wife or your, your best friend, whatever, you, you know, you need to go and kind of talk it out a little bit. And then you're good to go again. Nothing feels better, too. Right? I tell you. 
You know, Satan was the biggest example of rebellion and the scariest one. But that's exactly what caused him to fall from heaven. He was a beautiful cherub. He, he was right there with God in the throne room. He was over praise and worship. He was a musical instrument, beautiful in every way, powerful. I think, you know, it's, well, I'll just read here what happened. Isaiah talked about his fall in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. He says, how you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. He's talking to the devil, Satan. His name was Lucifer. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, listen to this, pride got him. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Five times he said, I will. He proclaimed his sovereignty. And the number for grace is what he fell from. Revelation 12, 7 through 9. He's mentioned again. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The deceiver... Of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. That's who's running this world right now. Your protection is, your protection is in Christ. Walking in and after the spirit. In agreement with this word. There's provision made for you. But you need to agree with God. And not rebel against him. So the turmoil will not be evident in your life. And the enemy will not be coming through your gates. From the candlelight service that we had on Thursday evening, we, we focused on the Lord. And it was awesome, like I told you. And the, the candles were symbolic of His light. Him being the light of the world and coming to the world. And I'll just say to you today, as surely as the light came into the world through Jesus Christ, He's saying to you now, let my light shine into your soul. Examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith. Test yourselves or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So Jesus light his words his truth this is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. The Word of God. This is Jesus between these pages. And John, the first chapter, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's talking about Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. When we talk about light, and you are the light of the world, you are the life of the world. In Him was the light, and that light was life. The light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John, this is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Congratulations. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 1, 4. In him was life, and that light was the light of all mankind. The Reflections. The light of God shining in our souls today. Question to yourself. To myself. Have you helped or have you hindered the will of God in your marriage, in your church, in your job, amongst your friends and relations? In the world. Have you helped or hindered. The will of God. For you. Luke 6.33. Says and if. You do good to those who do good to you. What benefit is that? For even sinners do that. Are you only good to people that are good to you? Are you still doing an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Let me tell you, that covenant is gone. Now, our only demand is that we walk in love. And let me tell you, it requires the Holy Spirit to empower you to walk in love regarding some people. Everyone not so lovely. <laughs> but let me tell you, God doesn't love you because you're lovely. He loves you because He is love. And for that same reason, you're supposed to love. Matthew six fourteen says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Forgive quickly. Trust God with the, the judgment and punishment. We're here just to be a witness and a light. Not a judge. Enough judging. I don't want any of you to fix anybody else here for a while. It's not your job. Don't fix anybody. Promise me? Quit trying to fix people. If you need it, got a problem, just come talk to me for a while. 
Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Man, I'm, I, come on. I'm striking some nerves here. That one kind of made me afraid. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How is your thought life? How are your thoughts? Think about it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what are the answers to all these things? We're, we're looking at the good that God has done in our lives. That's encouraging. We're looking at the bad. so Not so we can be discouraged, but so we can fix it. So we got to have answers. What do I do? Why is this so important? Well, because we're believing for a good <coughs> harvest for all of you. Amen? Amen? I want a good harvest. I want all of you walking in the blessing of God, the favor of God. I want you to be overwhelmed by His goodness because out of the overflow, you're going to be a blessing. And that's God's goal for you. First, He needs you. And then, what you can do for Him. Not vice versa. He cares a lot more about you than what you can do for Him. He needs you first. He needs you completely submitted, surrendered to His will for your life. He can make you into the servant and the son he wants you to be, or daughter. <laughs> so it's important to look back, to reflect on our life, so we can allow God to make these little course corrections in our life, especially as we end up one year and move into another. It's always encouraging. Instead of making lists of, of uh, making vows, I don't encourage you to make vows and commitments. Say, if, if God wills it, if God wills it, I'm going to ask him to help me in this area of my life. Don't say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You just heard what happened to the devil, okay? Proverbs 27, 19. Remember what I tell you about, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You hear me say that all the time. Samantha gave me a scripture last night. Proverbs 27, 19 says it even better. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. That's what we're looking at. That's what we want to look into, the heart. We want to allow the Word of God, the light of God, Jesus, to look into our hearts and help us make course corrections if necessary. Encourage us where we are doing wonderful and great, which most of you, I'm sure, that 99% of everything is all the good side. There's only a mark or two over there on the other. But let's fix that while we're at it. <laughs> God's talking about primarily your attitudes and relationships. Your attitudes and relationships. That's that's where he wants us to really focus in on love. Deuteronomy 31:6 Here's the here's the five points and I'm done. So he said what are the answers? How do I do this? What do I do? The first thing, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Everyone loves this scripture. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. You just thought that was in Hebrews. That's in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 31.6. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He doesn't want you to be fearful. Remember when he gave us the gift of his peace on the night of his betrayal in John 14, 27. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let fear rule your life. 
the fear of man or the fear of anything else. Don't be afraid of God in the sense that He's going to punish you. The fear of God that you're to have now as new covenant believers, as children of God, is just an awesome reverence, awe, and respect because of His love for you, because of His trustworthiness and His track record in your life. So don't be afraid. Now this is the person... This person who's walking in this, not being afraid, but seeking to, to please God and to serve God. This is the person who says, I don't need man's approval, and he's okay. Because the, what he's saying is, yes, God is love, and, 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 and he created in me a need to be loved just like he is. So, yes, of course, I would like everybody to like me, but first God. Amen. First God. And if you disagree with what God says in my life, then I don't need your approval because I'm going with God. I'm on the narrow road. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. I'm staying on the narrow road because God loves me and He has my best interest at heart and I'm not going to let fear rule my life. Secondly, you need the Word. You need the Word of God. Psalm 119, 105, the longest chapter in the Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Let it light your path. Use the, the flashlight. Don't stumble around in the darkness, you silly thing. Knock the dust off this thing and turn it on. It's a big old flashlight for your life. The third thing is prayer. And prayer is vitally important. I talk to people all the time. And I can tell you how their prayer life is by the lack of peace or the, or the amount of peace that they're walking in. When they have confusion and fear and all these things, they just don't have a very good prayer life. And I know it. You don't have to tell me what seeds you planted in your garden for me to tell you what you planted after the crop starts coming in. I go out there and tell you myself. I look at the fruit. Luke 18, 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Prayer, we should be, you know, uh, uh, there's a woman, I can't remember her name now, she wrote a book, said, get up and pray. In other words, so many people have relegated to prayer to at church or, or five or ten minutes in the morning or the evening before they go to bed, and then when they get up off their knees, that's it. And, you know, that's just the start. You just get up and you keep praying all day because you're bouncing everything off of, off of Jesus, off of the Word, all day. We're not supposed to direct our own steps, remember? This is the flashlight for our life. All day long, we're bouncing off the truth that is in us to know how to make choices and decisions so that we know that God is in it. And if we don't have peace, we wait. We don't have peace, we wait. We call on some other spirit-filled believers who trust God and put Him first in their life. Maybe they can hear a little better right now. Maybe we can pray and agree together. Get something going here. Jude 1.20 says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. He said all the time. If you, don't have, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and have the gift of speaking in tongues, you need it. <coughs> I would not try to do this thing on my own. When I tried, I thought I was a Christian for most of my life. And I, I, I didn't even scratch the surface. I didn't even know what that meant. The talk like I'm talking to you now was foolishness to me. But when I got the gift, 
the promised gift, the counselor came. Whoa, light bulbs started going off left and right. I got empowered. And man, let me tell you something. Revelation knowledge and wisdom and favor and power. Anointing. If you don't have it, you need it. <laughs> the next thing, and I'm almost done. You come on up here, Chris, if you want to. Reject negative, ungodly things. Re reject all negative in your life. All ungodly in your life. You want to learn how to do this? Ask Dennis. I think he's good at it. So get away from all that. Reject negative thoughts, words from yourself and from others. Guard these gates, these eye gates, these ear gates. Everything that goes in is, is being planted into the garden of your heart. If it's not of God, get away from it, man. Get away from it. You're going to lose some friends if you start walking a life of faith. But you're going to get a lot more and better ones. If you only get two faith-filled believers and you get rid of a hundred deadbeats, wow, your life just became simple and awesome. And focus in on God. Laser focus. That whatever we meditate on, whatever we think upon, that's what is going to be manifest in our lives. Let the meditation of your heart be on God. You can control your thought life. You can think about God all day. You're going to think about something at work. If you're depressed and you're thinking about the, the argument you had or the debt you got, you're thinking about something at work all day, aren't you? You can think about God all day and do your job better than than if you weren't. I've heard uh, preachers stand in the pulpit and say, oh, they're so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good. Nonsense. God says, those who keep their mind stayed on me will have perfect peace because they trust in me. Keep your mind on the Lord. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. That's 2 Timothy 2.16. So that's the truth. It just means it feeds on itself. And that person who is un talking ungodly, I don't care if they're in church or in a bar room. It don't matter. Everybody in church ain't of God. And if they're, not, if they're talking godless chatter and gossip and negative, get away from them. Correct them. But in love. Say, listen, we need, to, we need to pray for this person. We need to stop that. That's not of God. That's just going to bring more of the same. That's going to bring bad into our lives. We're cursing that person right now by talking about them. Let's just stop. Let's just stop ourselves. I know how easy it is to get into these conversations, but let's just stop. Let's just make a decision. Let's stop that right now. You can do that. And it won't be offensive. And let me tell you what. When your friends, they come to you and they want to gossip and you won't do it, it might offend them at first. But listen, when it really comes down to trouble, they're going to come to you. They're going to trust you more because if you won't talk about somebody else with them, you won't talk about them either. And they'll begin to trust you more. And they'll say, this is a godly friend that I have. I can trust them because they love me. They won't talk about me or hurt me. 1 Timothy 6.12 And this is the goal of those things, those five things I just laid out. Being, being unafraid and, and depending on God. Staying in the Word. Praying all the time, even in, in tongues and in the Holy Ghost. Building yourself up in the most holy faith. Reject negativity and avoid godless chatter. Because the goal here is supernatural faith. 
a life of supernatural faith, which is what we're called to. The Bible says without faith, no one can please God. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You need these things. I love you all, and I hope that uh, we made the trip here. I hope this is good for you. Just use this time, these few days to come, especially today while it's fresh on your mind. Uh, let, let, let the Lord examine you. Let Him shine the light into these areas that I've discussed and use these tools that I've mentioned to, to get back on course if there's anywhere you're off. And the other areas where you have got it right, hey, this is a place to celebrate this is a place to celebrate not enough Christians are celebrating the good things in their life that God has done we get so focused on the things we need to do we forget to celebrate the things we have done God says you and I can celebrate those things together he loves it because you're acknowledging his presence and that what he's done in your life and not saying you've done it on your own. You're not foolish enough to take credit for anything in your life anymore, are you? <laughs> we don't want to be like Satan. Give God the glory. He, he, he's, he's big enough to do everything. He's got all the provision. His shoulders are broad. Let him carry the load. You weren't meant to. Amen. Father, thank you for this day and for your love, for your words, for your teaching. Thank you for your light. Your light, which is your truth, your word, which is you, Jesus. You are the life of the world, the light of the world, and you are in us. Lord, in the days to come, help us to make mental inventory of our successes and losses and to take those negative things to you and be rid of them by the time we come back here next week, having learned from them, but setting them aside, having forgotten the negative, the failures, the losses, focusing on the successes and moving forward with you into a prosperous new year. We thank you for loving us so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.